Hey, welcome to ACF Church, and we're so glad that you're with us watching this message online. And our hope is that it would encourage you to be more like Jesus and walk closely with Him as an apprentice of Christ. And our hope is to give away all of these resources for free as much as possible. It takes a lot of time and energy and people to make that happen. And if you'd like to support the mission of God financially for ACF Church, you can go to acfak.org and you can give there. Now enjoy the Word of God proclaimed. Let's activate survival mode. Hi, I'm Gentry Knucklebutter, and this is survival mode. Let's talk bear safety. You want to turn off regular mode, and then you definitely want to turn on survival mode. If you're ever in an area where a moose is around, what you want to do is you want to make noises like a bear, because bears eat moose. You can tell by the way the leaves are laying so nicely on this tree that the tree is dead. (laughs) Survival mode activated. When you're out in the woods, you need protection. Swing them and kick. If the bear is coming this way, you just want to be right here, okay? I just don't know how to follow that. Oh, man. Hey, welcome to church today. We're glad that you're here. My name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here. And let's welcome everybody who's with us online. We love you, online family. Make sure you tell us uh, where you're watching from in the chat and how we can pray for you. We'd love uh, just to hear from you here today. And we are in a series called Survival Mode. We believe that God has more for us than just surviving. Amen? Uh, that he wants more for us than just to kind of get through the day. And many times we can accept less than what he has to offer. And it's been a challenging couple of years. Uh, For some of you, you're like, it's been a challenging life. And and maybe you've operated almost entirely in survival mode. And so we want to move through that. And we're spending the next few weeks talking about uh, some of our tendencies when we're in a survival type of situation and then how God has something better for us. And so if you didn't watch last week's message or if you weren't here, I'd encourage you to do that. Go back and watch that message and catch up with us here today. But our key text throughout this series is John 10.10, and I love this text. It says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. How cool is that? Jesus wants to give you an abundant life. A life of fullness, right? Not a life of ease or perfection, but a life of fullness. And so that's what he is inviting us into today. So I want to start with this question. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to get right into your business. I hope you're ready for church today. Here's the question. If you could do absolutely anything and you knew you wouldn't get in trouble and no one would find out, what would you do? So the awkward laughter. No, I'm just asking again. If you could do absolutely anything and you knew you wouldn't get in trouble and no one would find out, what would you do? Now, I'll be honest. When I was writing that question out that week, and I, this, this week, and I thought about it for myself, it kind of scared me, right? Like, like, some things come to your mind, you're like, oh, oh, oh. You know, like, you're going, what's wrong with my soul? And if that question scares you, here's the truth. What you have is an integrity problem. And that's what I want to talk about today, is what does it mean to have integrity? What does it mean to be a people of integrity? And I'll start by saying this. I think we all want people in our lives to have integrity, don't we? Like, I don't know anybody in my life that I wish had a little less 
integrity, right? Like, like we expect our friends to be honest, right? We expect our doctors to have gone to school to be a doctor. That seems reasonable, right? I expect my children's teachers to actually teach my children. That'd be, that'd be pretty good, right? We expect our employees to do their job. Uh, any business owners, like, amen to that. Just as we expect our bosses to pay our paychecks, right? That's to have integrity. Uh, that would be a good thing. We expect the government to do what's best for the people, right? That, that would mean integrity. We expect our spouses to be faithful, right? We expect our friends to be loyal. We expect our pastors to teach the truth, and here's a key one. We expect when we go to a restaurant and order chicken that it's actually chicken in the chicken, right? There's some kind of real chicken involved with that. We, we want integrity, right? We want people to have integrity. And yet the reality is that not everybody lives with integrity. And even deeper, the reality is we don't always live with integrity. So what do we do with that? We want the truth. We live in a society that says, create your own truth. That you are your own moral compass, which, if you've ever looked around and been like, why is the world falling apart? It's because the world is designed to, to just implode upon itself when we can be our own moral compass, when we get to determine truth for ourselves. And so from adults all the way down to our children, we're like, hey, define what's true for you. Do what's best for you. Do what you think is right. And as we look at the world, how's that working out for us? Not so good, right? Because it turns out that we are, uh, we are sinful beings and that our uh, idea of what's right and wrong can be twisted and distorted. I know that's true in my own heart. And so that's why we come back to God. We come back to the Word of God saying there must be a singular moral compass, right? That I can't create that for myself. And when we know that Jesus is that centering and, and the Word of God is at the center, we will actually come together and be healed. And that's, that's why we want to come together around the Word of God here today. But the truth is, we don't always do the right thing. Other people don't always do the right thing, right? And uh, let's, be, let's be real. Here's a, a test, maybe a question for you today. Who here has ever lied before? Uh, hands, hands up. Hands up. Okay. A few of you. The rest of you are liars, right, in church today. You didn't raise your hand. And here's my question for the rest of you. If you have an iPhone and you've gone through the user agreement questions and at the end of that whole thing, it says, have you read and agreed to all of what was read before? And you clicked yes, you're a liar. So there you go. We've all done it. Never read one of those things. Not a chance. Like 87 pages. Nope, just click it. I don't know what I just signed on for, but I did it, right? So we've all been dishonest, right? We've all done the wrong thing. I'm going to start off in, in John chapter 8. Jesus is dealing with these religious leaders who themselves were living in lies. They were perpetuating lies, and they were living in lies. And here's what he says to them. It's pretty harsh. In verse 44, he says, You are of your father, the devil. So anyway, that's not a great way to make friends. Probably why he got crucified, right? Like, you just start off by calling somebody the devil. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and he is the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. So the primary weapon of the devil is lies. He perpetuates lies in the world and in our lives, wants to feed us lives, right? I mean, think about it. Way back at the beginning in the Garden of Eden, uh, you know, where it's just everything was perfect, Adam and Eve, what led them into sin? It was a lie, right? Eat of this fruit. You will not surely die. 
And yet they did. The beginning of all that's wrong in this world came from one single lie, right? And he says, because you're following the devil, who he calls their father, which again, literally there, he's saying, you're the offspring of the devil, right? Because you perpetuate and you live in lies because of that, you are actually confusing the truth with a lie and confusing lies with the truth. And this is how it gets all messed up, doesn't it? Have you ever found yourself where you have to lie on top of a lie on top of a lie, and at the end, you don't even know it's true anymore? The lies become truth. The truth becomes lies. I was reading an article in the Washington Post this week. It says this. Here's the problem with lying. Research shows that the more you lie, the easier it gets, and the more likely you are to do it again. Isn't that true? The dangerous thing about lying is people don't understand how the act changes us. So here's like a not necessarily a Christian publication or a person writing this who understands that lying shapes us somehow. That there, there must be some objective moral reality beyond whatever we feel like is right and wrong. And it actually messes us up that like when we don't tell the truth that we think that that's not okay, right? In general, as humans, we're like, no, we expect integrity. We want the truth. He goes on and says, we are more likely to lie, research shows, when we are able to rationalize it. When we are stressed and fatigued, or when we see others being dishonest. And we are less likely to lie when we, when we have moral reminders, or, this is interesting, when we think others are watching. Isn't that true? Yeah, like we're, we're less likely to lie or to be dishonest or to act without integrity when there's cameras in the room, right? When somebody's watching. But once again, who are you when no one's watching? Because that is the measure of your integrity. Who are you? And what would you do if you knew you'd never get in trouble and no one would find out? That's a scary question because it's a question of our integrity as people. And we know this. We know, again, that we, we, we want people to be moral and ha- have integrity, and yet we make exceptions for ourselves. We want everyone else to tell the truth, and yet sometimes we don't tell the truth. And I think all of this points to a creator. I think all of this points to there being a God and a central reality that comes from that God, that there is something that's true and something that's wrong in the world because whether you believe in God today or you don't, you want people to be truthful to you. You want people to have integrity in your life, and you're offended when they're not. But again, if there is no central reality of truth or no central moral compass, then who are you to say that I shouldn't do what I do. If I just come up to you and I punch you in the face, and you're like, ah, don't do that. It's like, well, that's just what my DNA felt like doing, right? Like, that's just, I'm just a bunch of molecules bouncing around. Who are you to tell me that it's wrong? I think in the end, we know there's wrong and right. There are lies, and there's the truth, right? In the end, there's integrity and lacking of integrity, right? And that's a uniquely human reality, right? Animals don't feel this. Animals don't have a sense of morality, right? The, the wildebeest, you know, or the, the lion doesn't feel bad for eating the wildebeest, right? He just was like, give me more. I want more of that. And nobody attacks him for doing the wrong thing. It's just, it's just what they do. But as humans, we know there is right and wrong. We expect honesty from others, but we often make exceptions for ourselves. On November 30th of 2018, if you lived in Alaska, you know at 8.29 a.m., we had a little earthquake, didn't we? Things started shaking. I still remember that moment. We were dropping our kids off at the bus, and the bus was coming down the road out there in Birchwood, and it looked like it was on hydraulics. It was pretty cool. It was like bouncing around. And uh, the bus driver pulls up. She opens the door, and she's like, did I get a flat tire? And I'm like, no, it's an earthquake. And then we, like, stuck our kids on the bus. I don't know what we were thinking. We sent them <laughs> off to school. And we got back to the house, and we're like, oh, this is, this is worse than I thought, you know? Uh, some stuff tipped over. Not too bad, but 
Some of you still have drywall cracks. Anybody here still have drywall cracks from the earthquake? Most people still have some, some residual damage from that moment. Um, it, it's interesting. Uh, when, when people started talking about this earthquake, we started seeing that there were problems, right? In fact, there's a lot of finger pointing going on in Alaska about who built what house and where they built it. Because we realized that when drywall cracks, it's not the drywall that was the problem. That there's a structural issue that's going on. That something was shaking that when it shook could not handle that type of movement and it created a crack in the drywall. And that is definitely the case. And I will tell you that when you have an integrity problem or somebody else has an integrity problem, what it is is just a a crack in the drywall. When somebody lies or somebody does something that we know is wrong or we do that, it is identifying that there is a deeper problem going on in our lives. And that's actually what was found in, in some homes uh, in our area where they, their foundations were literally crumbling, right? And so you could get in there and you could spackle that whole house all you wanted, but then days later, the cracks would reappear. Why is that? Well, because the foundation had a problem. There was an issue at a structural, foundational level, and the drywall cracks were just a symptom of the deeper issue. That's the truth in our lives. When we begin to lie, when we begin to cheat, when we begin to live without integrity, it's a symptom of a deeper issue going on in our lives. You see, integrity is a structural problem. It's a structural problem. If you're an engineer in the room, you're going to nerd out for the next five minutes. I'm just, I'm just telling you that. I did a little research this week. I am not an engineer. You can fact check me later if you want. But I did some research. And here's what structural integrity it is. It's the ability to hold together under a load including its own weight, without breaking or deforming. That's what structural integrity is. The ability to hold together under a load, including its own weight. And see, this is the problem, is that we want to define what's right and wrong and morality for ourselves. And what I see at a global scale is that when you put a load on that worldview, it crumbles. When there's stress or pressure, we eat ourselves up from the inside. We, we eat our own, right? And so, so there has to be something better. There must be a, a deeper problem. To have structural integrity means that we can hold together under a load. It means that we are built on something firm and secure. And in my research, I was, I was seeing that there are certain things that cause structural integrity issues in buildings and, and other things. And I realized as I was looking at these things that each of these issues relates really well to the things that cause personal integrity problems within the church. Because I don't know if you know this, but uh, we as Christians sometimes have integrity problems. Let me be the first to say that I have had integrity problems before, which means that I haven't always told exactly the truth. I've stretched things before, that it's not always the way that I want to live. Because we are, again, we're we're a church full of people who need Jesus, right? A church of people in process. And so that means that we're going to have integrity issues revealing cracks in the foundation. So I, w- I want to walk through a few of these because I think they really show us some things we need to work on. The first thing that causes structural integrity problems is just a weak structure. If the structure is simply uh, weak, it's not going to hold up when there is a load or an earthquake or, you know, whatever it's going to be. And when I was thinking about us for our personal integrity issues, I would call this like an underdeveloped faith. Like when we have an underdeveloped faith, we end up with an integrity issue. If you got baptized on Easter and you were like, awesome, I'm done, right? Like, I'm good. I'm good. I I just want you to know this. If you got baptized on Easter, you didn't end something, you started something, 
That wasn't the end of a journey. That was the beginning of a journey. Like you're just getting going. And so if you don't develop your faith from there, if you don't get in an ACF group, start serving, start engaging with relationships, start getting in the word of God, you will crumble under the pressure. Promise you that. So the next one I saw is this. Uh, Deterioration can cause structural integrity issues. I I would correlate that to uh, habitual sin. Like, Habitual sin in our lives, which means that I have stuff that I do that I know doesn't honor God or other people, and I continue to do it without repentance in my life, and it's going to cause my foundation to crumble, right? Manufacturing issues can cause structural problems, right? The way it was built was just kind of messed up, and I would correlate this to having church hurt, right? Because when, when you follow Jesus, what you get is the bride of Christ, like, he, he throws in the church, right? And the church is full of people, again, and, and people make mistakes. People say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing. And, and if you hang out in the church long enough, I promise you, you're going to get hurt. And it's, not, it's never the whole church. It's funny, people say this, that church really hurt me. No, they didn't. Somebody did. But that whole church did not hurt you. A person hurt you. And so that's just going to happen is you're going to experience church hurt. And sometimes that church hurt can start to cause our foundation to crumble, Uh, Another one would be defective materials can cause structural issues. And I would correlate this to false theology. Theology is just a word that means our understanding of God. That's what theology is. And so if you have a false understanding of God, then what you're going to build your life on is is these defective materials, right? You're going to have like twists in your understanding of God. And so what you're building your life out of is going to be kind of messed up and not very strong. Another one would be environmental problems that causes structural issues, I would correlate that to life challenges. If you've ever just kind of said, oh, I'm going to follow Jesus, it's going to be great, and then you go through something very difficult, you lose the relationship, you lose your job, and you start to have some doubts in your faith, you read the Bible and and you read something, you're like, man, that doesn't make any sense to me, in fact, I don't even know if I agree with that, then that's going to be hard. And those kind of things, those environmental issues, those life challenges, again, if you're not in a community and you're not willing to work through them, will cause your foundation to really shake Last one is this, operational errors. And I would correlate that to false application, right? So, so false theology is one thing, but then false application is another, that we read the Word of God, and instead of doing what it says, we make it say what we want to do. Does that make sense? Like you read a scripture, and you're like, man, I really don't like that. Can I get a different translation, right? Can I, can I, can I wordsmith this a little bit to make it say what I want it to say? And I promise you, you can twist the Word of God to make it mean whatever you want it to mean. Doesn't mean you're honoring it. But again, that's, that's going to cause your foundation to crumble because you are trying to falsely apply the word of God, right? You see, after the earthquake, we saw that a lot of these places, these sheetrock cracks, identified deep foundational issues in these homes. But at the same time, some people, they seem to have great integrity, don't they? Some people's foundations seem very strong. Some homes made it through this with very, very little damage. It's really interesting. Do you know anybody in your life, I want you to think, that has really great integrity? Somebody you're like, man, it just seems like they're firmly grounded. I can think of a few people in my life, and and there's a few things that I see about them. First, they walk in confidence, not arrogance. It's like they just kind of know who they are and who they're not, but they don't have an arrogance because they're grounded in Christ. I think of people who do the right thing even when it's going to cost them. That's somebody with integrity, right? Like, have you ever seen somebody do something and you're like, oh man, I don't know if I would do that because that's going to that's gonna cost them a lot. 
But they just, they're like, nope, it's the right thing, so I'm going to do the right thing. These people seem to, they seem to get ahead the right way, don't they? Like, it seems like they're, they're doing well in life, but it's not because they're cutting corners. It's because they're doing the right thing. And the thing is, we've kind of twisted this in our society. We think you can't get ahead unless you cut corners, right? I've literally heard people say things like that. When you see somebody at the top or their business is doing really well or they've got a lot of influence, you're like, okay, who did they cheat to get there, right? What corner did they cut to get there? Maybe they spent a lifetime of living in integrity. Maybe that got them there. But we throw that out because, again, we like to, we like to kind of tear people out uh, from underneath. I see people who have great integrity. You know what they do? They build other people around them who are honest. It's interesting. Honesty sort of kind of begets honesty in relationships around them. If you look around your life and all of your employees and all of your friends are dishonest, but you're the only honest one, I would guess that you're not as honest as you think you are. Does that make sense? Like if you look at your employees and you're like, oh my goodness, they're, they're a bunch of liars. There's no integrity. I would start by looking at yourself. If I look at my children and I'm like, where do they learn to be such liars? Right? I mean, we have to look at ourselves first and go, maybe, maybe that's our integrity uh, at, uh, at play there. I see people with high integrity, they live for a deeper purpose. It's like they see the world for what it is. Do you know that when you live without integrity, that your world gets smaller and smaller and smaller? That your vision gets smaller and smaller and smaller? That's just how it works. It's like your life gets smaller, but when you live with integrity, an honest and open life, it's like your world expands. And so it's like they have this deeper purpose. They know what to do. There's peace in their hearts. And I'll tell you, man, there's something about that life that I think we all want. But it's hard. It's hard. So here's a big question for you this morning. What are you building your life on? What exactly is your life built on? If you're here today and you're a Christian, you might say, Jesus. But again, if you look at your life, if you're not living a life of integrity, if there's cracks in the sheetrock, then your foundation, foundation isn't Jesus. There's something else at play here. So I want to go to Matthew chapter 7 because this speaks specifically to this. Jesus is talking about the foundation of our lives. And when he talks about, Scripture sometimes talks about Jesus as the rock, right? As this firm and secure foundation, and that's true. But in this text, as Jesus is talking about that foundation, he's talking about more than that. He's talking about him being the foundation, but he's talking about having an authentic faith. There's a difference between somebody who says, I love Jesus and doesn't live with integrity, and somebody who says, I love Jesus and does, right? And so let's read this. He says in verse 24, Everyone who then hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Man, I just read that last line, and it kind of sends chills up my spine. Do you know anybody that's, like, fallen gloriously? You, have you ever been like, that was a glorious failure? I mean, there's failure, and there's like, whoa. That was, that was bad and public and terrible. Like, it was a great fall. And this is the warning Jesus is giving to all of us, is he says, hey, when you don't live with integrity, that's where you're headed. You're headed toward a great fall. So he's warning them. He says, Hey, wise men, 
If you're a wise man, you're going to heed my warning, because that's just what wise people do. Wise people hear warnings, and they heed them. And so I'm hoping today that you would be a wise man or woman, and you would heed the warning of Jesus. I'm hoping we we can all hear this and go, man, this is a wake-up call, right? He says, wise men build their house on the rock, which means wise men have an authentic faith in Jesus, like a real faith, a faith that impacts their decisions in every part of their life, whether they're seen or unseen. But then he talks about the wind, right? He says the wind is coming to test the faith of the wise man and of the foolish man. The wind is coming. The earthquake's coming. You better believe it. The pressure is going to be on. And in that moment, it's going to both reveal and purify your faith. Have you ever fallen and had it be a purifying moment? I know I have. Like you were running towards something and you were doing something that you're like, man, I just don't feel like this is right. And then it just comes out or you get in trouble and and it just falls all apart and you have a decision. You can either go away bitterly or you can be purified by that moment. So the goal is to be purified, right? The goal is to go, okay, God, man, forgive me. Go into repentance. Seek something better, right? So that's the invitation. So there's two specific ways that the people he's talking to are struggling with their integrity. Two things that I think that they have put their integrity in peril. And those two things specifically are religious words and religious works. So the people he's speaking to have a lot of really religious-sounding things to say. In fact, from the outside, they may look like the best of the best. And they also have these religious works. They do a lot of really good things. Seems like they're really generous. But again, once again, behind closed doors, there's an integrity problem. There's a foundational issue in their lives. And Jesus is saying, hey, the wind is coming. The pressure's coming. The situation's coming is it's going to test your life and the truth will be seen for what it is. You see, in the end, uh, in fact, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, it talks about how somebody's coming in the end of times who's going to deceive people with all of their religious behavior. It says in verse 9, it says, This man will come and do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. In other words, you can do really religious-looking things and be used by the devil himself. He says that. He says he will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. There's that word truth again. So there's the truth that leads to life, and then there's lies that lead to death. And so what does Jesus actually want? I think he wants to invite us into obedience from a heart of love. That we'd be, that, that's really what real faith looks like. Real faith, if you're like, is my faith real? Do I have a strong foundation? Is it grounded in Christ? All you have to do is ask yourself, do I have obedience to Christ from a heart of love? Love for him and love for the people around us. And then he says, but then there's this foolish man. This foolish man built his house on the sand, right? Which there was talk even in Anchorage about these homes that were built on marsh and just different stuff. The foundation, it just couldn't hold up to it. It wasn't strong. And so those homes fell apart, they built their house on the, on the sand, and ultimately when the winds came, the earthquake showed up. When the pressure was on, they couldn't stand. So how can we build integrity into our lives? A few things I think that we can do. There's, there's a job that we have in this. The first one is this. Sounds simple. It's not. Uh, be honest. Just be honest. Isn't that what you want from the people around you? Do you want the people around you to be honest? You're like, yes. Do you want to be honest? No. Right? Like, sort of. But sometimes, we want to be honest, it sounds easier than it actually is. But the way we build integrity is we just, when it's hard, when it's difficult, we just choose to be honest. I've I've had friends in my life come up to me and just be really honest. 
I've had people in my life who have had issues with me or, or, or relational problems that I didn't even know were there. I'm just going through life. And when they come to me and they confess something, they say like, hey, I had an issue. It was my fault or, or, or I just didn't bring it up to you. I'm really sorry. It hurt our relationship. I'll tell you what, like, I don't lose respect for them. I gain respect for them. Isn't it true when people are just honest, when you know it's hard, that it builds your respect? Have you ever had somebody come up and, and confess doing something that you knew about, but they didn't know that you knew about it? And in the end, they confessed it to you? It, it raises your sense that they have integrity, and it gives you respect for them. Be honest. The root of the word integrity means this. It means enact or intact or one. To be completely intact, to be one. That's the word integrity, to be one. And part of the reason that we don't have integrity or we live in these lies is because we're not one. We have divided hearts. We want to live for Christ, but we want to live in the world. We want to live for Jesus, trust him for everything, and yet we think that we are our own provider. So we're going to do whatever we can to get ahead. And so that's to have a divided heart, but to have integrity means to be intact, to tell the truth, to be honest really when it's difficult. And here's the problem. If we're not honest, if we don't have integrity, it doesn't just hurt us. How many of you know it hurts others? Is there anybody in your life who didn't live with integrity and you still to this day feel the pain of that? Like you still experience the cost of that? Some of you are still carrying around debt from your parents and decisions that were made by your kids. And other people have, been, have made decisions in your life and you've gone, man, their integrity hurt me. Because here's the deal. When there's a structural problem and the building comes crashing down, it doesn't only hurt you. Isn't that true? It always hurts our kids. It hurts our families. It hurts our church. And this is true of me, right? So I'm up here preaching this thing about integrity. You better believe the devil's going to tempt me when I come home today, right? Like, I'm thinking, man, like, as I'm preaching this, this is huge because you've seen pastors without integrity hurt the church, and I never want to do that. And so I'm, I'm just, I'm preaching to myself as much as anybody to say, man, we got to be people of integrity, amen? Like, we have people who choose the right thing. Next thing is this, accept the cost. First, just be honest to make that decision. Then the second thing is accept the cost. So I've uh, been involved with the construction projects before, and uh, there's always decisions that are made as you're building something, whether it be a home or, or anything, and, and, the, and the decisions are about what kinds of materials to use. And sometimes you'll be like, man, the budget's kind of low, and so we're going to choose really cheap stuff. And one thing that I've learned from the construction world uh, is this little phrase, pay now or pay later. Pay now or pay later. And what pay now or pay later means is that you can choose to use really cheap materials now, but you're going to do it again later. And so you can pay now and pay a little less uh, in the end because you did it right the first time, or you can pay more in the end because you chose to try to do it twice, right? You chose to use weak materials at first. And so what we all know is if you do it right the first time, it ends up costing you less. If you choose the, the thing of integrity, just be honest and, man, accept the cost. Maybe it hurts and maybe it's a little painful, but it's always going to cost you less in the end. So what is it in your life that's going to cost you something that you're going, man, I don't know if it's worth it? Because here's what I want to promise you. Pay now or pay later. What's it worth to you? What's the foundation of your soul worth to you, right? Because here's the deal. I think we all have a certain pain point or price point when it comes to our integrity. Is that we're going, man, I want to follow Jesus. I want to be a Christian up until this cost, you know, point. 
anything over that, I'm not really going to do it. But up to this point, I'm going to follow Jesus. And what, here's what happens. Is if you begin to walk these steps and you actually build Christ as your foundation for your life and you really make him what drives your life, your pain point and your price point will begin to increase. So whereas before you're like, man, if it would just be awkward for the sake of Jesus, I'm out. Like, I, I can't even just deal with awkward. And then as you grow in your faith and you become more like Christ and more firm in the foundation of Jesus, your pain point goes up and you're like, that ah, doesn't matter. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to do the right thing because I know ultimately pay now or pay later. You see, uh, following Jesus comes with a cost, doesn't it? And we know that, but we still seem to flinch at the cost of following Jesus. I think we forget that we don't follow a rich man who lived long and died peacefully. We follow a poor man who died young on a cross. And so what makes us think that we're going to be Jesus followers and yet not follow in the ways of Jesus? That we can follow Jesus and yet have a very low cost to our faith? No, to to live with integrity means that there's a cost. It means it's going to be difficult sometimes, but it means it's going to be worth it. So here's what I want to tell you, is that if there's a cost to making that right next decision, don't call it a cost, call it an investment into your foundation. Here's one thing I know. When you build a house, you don't get a cheap concrete guy. You can get cheap sinks and vanities, but you get the best concrete guy because he's building the foundation for your life. And that's, I mean, that's really, you're going to be living in that house. Whole family's going to be in there. You want to make sure it's not going to fall down. The same is true of us. Third thing is this. We want to be honest, accept the cost, and then live courageously in the truth. That's my call, is that, you know, it's, it takes courage to do the right thing. It takes courage to be honest, to live with integrity. And so I, was, I just sat down this week, and I, I've been really praying for you guys because um, you already look really uncomfortable, just so you know that. Um, and I just wrote down some things that I thought, what are some things that we could do to build integrity into our lives? What are some hard decisions that we could make today that would be an investment into our foundation? So my goal over the next minute is to make myself the least popular uh, pastor in Alaska. Like, I think you're going to want to just get out of here. So anyway, here's some things that you can do today to live courageously in the truth. Maybe you need to confess an integrity mistake to your boss on Monday. Like, maybe it was small, maybe it was huge, but you've got something in your life that there's been a breach of integrity, and you know it, and on Monday, you're going to go in, and you're going to sit down with your boss, and you're like, I could lose my job. I could lose his respect. It could be really difficult, but I'm going to accept the cost as an investment into my foundation. So I'm going to do it. Maybe that's you today. Maybe today you need to talk to your spouse about a hidden sin. You've got something going on over here, and you're going to go, and you're sit down with your spouse, and you're going to say, hey, uh, I, have a, I have a porn addiction or I've developed an uh, emotional relationship with another man or another woman and I don't want it to get worse and what, what I know and what I just heard is that the cost is always going to be more later and so I want to pay the cost now and get really uncomfortable with you because I don't want it to get worse. And so maybe that's you today. You're going to sit down and you're gonna, I'm just going to tell the truth. Maybe you're going to admit to a friend that you just plain lied to them. Or that you gossiped about them and did something that affected their lives, and they don't know it was you, but it was you. You affected their life in a major way, and so today you're going to sit down and go, I'm really sorry that I did that. I was, I was part of that problem, and I want to make that right. Maybe today you're going to pay back somebody some money that they forgot that you owe them. You know? You know that person that you borrowed some money from, and like you hope they would forget, and they did? 
And you're like, maybe it's not money. Maybe it's like their lawnmower. You know, like 17 years ago, you borrowed your neighbor's lawnmower. And you're like, it's still sitting there. You know, bring it back to them, right? Maybe bring a little gift with you, but like bring it back. And they'll be like, do I, is that mine? Yeah, it is. And deal with the awkward, right? Deal with the discomfort as an investment into your foundation. Maybe you're here today and uh, you got baptized, you're trying to follow Jesus, trying to figure out what it looks like, and um, maybe you're living with your boyfriend or your girlfriend and you're doing this cohabitation thing because you're saving money and it just seems fiscally responsible, but you're going, I want to live with sexual purity before God. And, And maybe nobody's calling us out on this or asking us to do anything different, but because we want to live with sexual purity before God, we're gonna we're gonna accept the cost and we're gonna move out. And we're gonna get our own places. We see each other all the time, but we're going we're gonna to accept the financial cost as an investment into our foundation. Pay now or pay later, right? So maybe that's you today. Maybe today you're going to stop dating somebody who doesn't love Jesus, right? Like they come to church with you because, let's, let's be honest, you're really cute. And, and you're worth an hour on Sunday morning sitting at church. There's decent music and good coffee, so like it's worth it to sit at church with you for a little bit. And, and maybe, honestly, like, he or she doesn't, doesn't love Jesus. And you know that, and everybody's telling you that. And can I just, from a pastoral perspective, tell you that there are few conversations that are harder than with somebody who's like, the only thing I want is for my spouse to love Jesus. I would give up anything on the earth for my spouse to love Jesus. And if you're going down that road, again, I want you to just be honest with yourself do the hard thing. Maybe you need to get some internet accountability. Maybe you need some, to, to have a, a program, and there's lots of these, where somebody gets a history of all of your browser history, and, and it just goes straight to their inbox. And, and maybe you're going to do that because you're like, this is an investment into my foundation. Maybe you're going to tell him or her, hey, we're going to stop right now. No more sex until we get married, right? We're gonna, again, we want to start with sexual purity in our lives, and so uh, we're going to save that as a union that was built for the commitment of marriage. So, so maybe you're going you're gonna to say, hey, today's the day. We're going we're to make a decision today and have that awkward conversation. Maybe you're going to pay the rest of your taxes. <laughs> right? So you got to the end of TurboTax, and you, you're always waiting for the last part, and you're like, sweet, I got a refund. And then it always gives you that, like, you know, audit risk, and you're like way low in the green, and you're like, yes, low in the green, even though you know that you fudged some of the numbers, right? You're like, nobody's going to see this, and the truth is, probably nobody will. Nobody will ever find out, but you know who's going to know? You will, and you get to carry that, and we all do. That's the thing with integrity is maybe no one else knows, but we do. And like we read earlier, we don't realize how it changes us. We don't know what it does to our souls. See, ultimately, if we live in lies for long enough, we will be susceptible to believing those same lies. And what you don't realize is that over the course of a lifetime, you will be somebody who mistakes the truth for a lie and mistakes the lie for a truth. John 8, 31, I think wraps it up beautifully and says this. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, right? If you want to follow me, if you want to stand and build a foundation on me alone, he says, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, right? 
So first, if you build your life on me, then you're, an, you're actually a disciple. Not just somebody who has religious words and works, but you're really a disciple. And if you build your life on me and my word, then you're actually a disciple and you will know the truth. And listen to this, and the truth will set you free. How sick do we feel when there's an integrity problem in our lives? Have you ever just been sick about a decision you were making? Just, you try to numb it or act like it's not there, but man, does it feel like freedom? Does it ever work out exactly like you hoped it would? I mean, maybe at first it feels that way, but the cost is always coming. Pay now or pay later, right? It says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You see, if the truth sets you free, then the lies that you're living in are imprisoning your life. You think you're free, but you're in prison. That's what lies do. That's what deception does, is it it like put, puts walls around our lives. I talk all, all the time about my grandfather because I spent every summer with him growing up on the farm and just learned a lot about life from him. And one of my favorite projects that we would do together uh, would be just building fences. So we'd go up and we'd go to this pasture. He'd want to get the cows in there. And so we'd build fences. And the only thing we'd do is we'd use electric fences. And if you're from a agricultural background or a cattle background, you know that um, they're really simple. There's not much to them. It's just this fiberglass pole that goes in the ground every, you know, 10 feet or so, and then you just run this little bitty wire that goes over to this primer thing, and it just, it clicks, you know, shooting electricity through it, and it, it'll give you a zap, but it's still just like this little bitty wire, and I remember talking to my grandfather, and I'm like, how does that keep a cow in a pasture? It seems insane, right? And I remember him telling me, hey, well, you teach them when they're young. Like, really young, you, you get them over to it, and they'll, like, touch it with their nose. It gives them a little zap. And they realize from a young age that they, they can never get through that wire. And so then they go from being a couple hundred pounds to like a thousand pounds, and they still walk over to that wire, but they'll never go through it. Now I'm looking, I'm going, that animal is huge. It could run right through that wire, but in its mind, it can never get through. You see, it's imprisoned by a simple little lie. What you need to know is that from the moment that you were born, the devil was feeding lies to you. From the moment that you were born, sin through this world, through family members, through situations has been fed to you to keep you in prison with the lie. Jesus says, know the truth and the truth will set you free. It'll set you free. What's the lie in your life? I was thinking for me, what's my lie? Um, if, if you know me, you know, as a military kid growing up, we moved from place to place. And, and what I learned really young was um, how to get people to accept me. Because I just, I just wanted to be accepted everywhere I moved. And so I, I, I could see, if I look back in my life, different versions of myself in each location because I would just do anything that, it, that, I, that I could do to get people to accept me. So I knew how to become whatever you wanted me to be so that I would have friends. And the lie in my life was that nobody loves you, nobody accepts you, they only want you for what you can give them. So that lie to this day, I'm just being real with you, to this day, years later, still affects my friendships. It still affects me as a leader. It affects me just how I relate to the church and the people in my life. This reality or this, it feels like a reality that, man, nobody really wants you for you. They just want you for what you can do for them. What's your lie? What's been fed to you your whole life? There's another summer on the farm where we brought home this huge bull that had only lived in these metal fences. He could never get through them. He just would walk around to this very small corral, and he'd grown up in this corral. And so I remember we, we backed the cattle trailer up to this pasture with the little electric fence, and we let the bull out, 
And guess what he did? Plowed right through the fence. Man, it was like plexiglass and, you know, cables everywhere and just ran right through it. He's like on the other side of the fence munching on the good grass. Just like, ha-ha, suckers. You know? You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. He had not been imprisoned by the lie. He saw the cable and he's like, that can't stop me. He knew the difference between a, the truth and a lie. What's your lie? Maybe it's that you'll never get away from what you've done. Maybe it's that you're too young to make a difference or that you're way too old to matter. Maybe it says you're not good at speaking, so you should just keep your mouth shut. Some of you have been th- through some hard relational stuff and made some bad decisions. So now the lie is that I'm a trashy person, so I need to pursue people who will treat me like a trashy person. Is that your lie? Is it that God doesn't like you, he just puts up with you? but he really doesn't want much to do with you. I want to give you some truth today. So just hear these words today. I think if Jesus were sit down, sitting down across from you at the table over a cup of coffee, he'd start off by looking you in the eye just saying, I think you're incredible. I built you with value. I love that you look just like me. You know, parts are left to be fixed, but I love you. I think he'd say, you are beautiful. You're beautiful. I think he'd say, my heart leaps when you tell people about me. I get so excited about that. And I think he'd say, you know what makes me angry? What makes me angry is when you devalue yourself and when you devalue other people that I've made in my image. I think he'd say, man, I love it when you sing your guts out at church. Something God loves. He just loves it when people open their lips and give him praise. I think he'd say, I love it when you sing, even when you suck at singing. I think he'd say that. I think he'd say, I can't wait to heal the world forever, but in the meantime, I want you to cling to me. I want you to hold tight to me. And I promise to be enough for you. I think he'd say that. You see, the truth is this. You can't live in the truth until you believe the truth. You'll never be able to fix the cracks in your life until you change your foundation. Jesus says this. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. You see, you can't be your own foundation. You can't determine morality for yourself. You can't do it. No matter how much you try to self-help yourself into a better life, there will always be cracks in the wall. Until you start to build your life on Christ, It's always going to be a mess. But faith in Jesus leads to a life of truth, and a life of truth is a life of peace. And wouldn't you rather have that? Here's what you need to know, is whatever the cost is today, it's worth it for the peace that Jesus is promising. So what do we do next? I want you to grab your action card, if you would, real quick. It's probably on your seat somewhere, and you can can find one of these around you. And just tear this off the bottom, if you would, and... um, This is just something we do as a church family every week because we want to take a step forward and not just waste our time here. I want to ask you, what's your next step here today? And I encourage you to fill this out and drop this in one of the baskets on the way out. And uh, we just want to send you one text to let you know we're praying for you. And uh, we're not going to spam you like we always say. We're not going to do that. We're just going to encourage you and pray for you this week. Maybe today you just need to say, I want to begin a relationship with Jesus. Here's the deal. If you've said, I am a Christian, I have a relationship with Jesus, but I don't live a life of obedience from a heart of love, then you are not a Christian. 
And we're going to fall down sometimes. We're all going to make mistakes. But if you look at your life, you're like, my foundation is not Jesus. I said I want to follow Jesus, but my foundation is my opinions. My foundation is whatever I want to make the word of God say. Then I want you to take a step today and say, I actually want to trust Jesus as the pathway to peace. So maybe that's you today. Maybe you need to make a commitment to come clean about a lie today. Some of you maybe in the room are literally uh, nauseous right now at the thought of being honest. And, and you're going to go home and you're going to struggle through this. But I have faith that through the spirit, through the power that God gives you, that you'll be able to do the right thing. That you'll believe, pay now, pay later. That it's going to be worth it for the peace that God will provide in your life. Maybe it's that you're going to choose to believe the truth about yourself, man. What's, what's, been the, what's been the wire? What's been the electric fence in your life? The lie that you've believed, maybe since you were young. And Jesus is like, that's not my opinion of you. And here's what you need to know, is that if you believe something that's not God's opinion of you, then it's, it's a lie. The only truth is what God says about you. That's the, that's the deepest truth about your reality. And maybe it's this, share the truth with someone else. Is there somebody in your life who's been living in a lie? maybe operating outside of integrity, and nobody loves them enough to tell them. Maybe it's your husband. Maybe it's your best friend. And you're like, I'm not being a good friend because, man, they're living in a lie, and they're going to hurt themselves and others. And I'm going to be, I'm going to pray, and I'm just going to seek God and say, God, how, do, how can I help? Maybe today's the day that you just say, hey, here's, here's what Jesus says, and here's a, here's a better way to live. Would you stand up? I want to pray for us. And, Let's worship together and trust God with this part of our life. Jesus, thank you so much that um, you speak into the deep, dark corners of our lives. And um, today we confess that we all have integrity problems. That when the pressure has been on, there have been times that our foundation has crumbled. And we've all been in that moment where we just thought, what just happened? How did I get here? Thank you, Jesus, that your grace is sufficient for that. Uh, that you love to pick up honest and repentant people out of the mud and the mire. God, that you can do good work with someone who's simply honest about their mistakes, that it's really difficult to move forward when we're simply lying to ourselves. But man, you, you love an honest and contrite heart. So we just lay ourselves bare before you. Thank you, God, that this is, this is why you died. This is why you sacrificed yourself. It's because we know we're broken, but today, God, we want to live in freedom. We want to accept God, that you paid the ultimate cost, that there is a cost for sin, and we saw it as you bled on a cross. So instead of resisting that today, we want to receive it fully. I pray for my brothers and sisters today. Give them courage. Give them peace. And I pray we'd all walk forward together towards the peace that you offer us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thanks for watching this message from ACF Church. Uh, we hope it's encouraged you and challenged you to be more like Jesus and to walk with him in a closer and more profound way. If you'd like to give to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so at the link on the screen or at acfak.org. We love you and we'll see you next week.